praise God. If you brought your Bible with you today, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you have a Bible app or, a, uh, you know, an iPad, whatever you use, do that. Get over here to 2 Corinthians 6. We've been teaching in a series the last several weeks now uh, called Go Big Before You Go Home. And we are not finished going big. I want to help each and every person to avoid living a small, insignificant life and to open up inwardly to contain the largeness of God in His vision, His plan, His purpose for your life, His promises fulfilled. And we don't want to be restrictive in any way as to what God might want to do. Hallelujah. You, you know this, that not everything He wants to do, does He do? You know the will of God is not always done. You know how sometimes people pray, Lord, if it be your will. Well, that's kind of dumb. And I say that in a, in a sweet, nice, tender way. <laughs> there are all kinds of things that are His will that are not happening because our will is involved. Yeah? I mean, if His will were, were, were being accomplished, how many know every person would be saved? Every person would be healed? Every person would tithe? Thank you, Jesus. Every person, you know, there's just a whole lot of everybody, everything's and everybody's that would be in place if the will of God were being done all together all the time. And uh, we'll see that in heaven while we're here. Let's get as much as we can. Amen. Every one of us completely submitted and doing the will of God and reaching others with every possible means that we can. Praise God. Well, this has been our text for this series, so let's read again. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. So that's a directive that some people are closed that need to be open. And their closedness is a restriction on God's will coming to pass, on God's best being experienced. So he said, listen, you guys, open up. Open up inside. King James Bible says, uh, our heart is enlarged. Be ye also enlarged. We must grow inwardly. Message Bible reads, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. Praise God. Does that sound like a, a good life? Or do you want to live in a cage? <laughs> do we want to live in a box? Do we want to live so small we don't have freedom? No, Jesus came to bring us freedom and to bring us uh, the potential of this open, expansive life. You know, last week we were sharing with you about one of the names of God as revealed in Scripture in the Hebrew is, is the, the name El Shaddai. Remember El Shaddai? We contrast that with El 
Cheapo, yes. Uh, he is not El Cheapo, he is El Shaddai, meaning, meaning he is the all-sufficient one. He's the one who abundantly provides and supplies. He is the God who is more than enough. And so, uh, understand that the one we serve is not the God of just enough. He's the God of abundance, of plenty, of ample supply. And if we are trying to fit this abundant, all-sufficient God within this small, restrictive container called our belief system, then we're going to have some trouble. So what we want to do is open up, enlarge, have a greater vision and understanding so that all of who He is can be experienced, enjoyed, and contained within our lives here on earth. Amen? So in other words, I want to think plenteous. I want to think abundance. I want to think ample supply. If I do, then I'm on the same page as God. But if I find myself going back into small thinking, I am in doing so restricting or limiting the ability and power of God to work in my life. Yeah? I know sometimes people will say, uh, well, we need to watch out that we um, make sure we have moderation in all things. Ever heard that? In everything, moderation. Uh, no, that, that's actually not a verse that we should have moderation in everything. Uh, in some things, we should go over the top and run the cup over and have a superabundance, not moderate it. Yeah? There's a scripture over in where that comes from often when quoting scriptures, Philippians chapter 4 and then verse 5 where it reads, let your moderation be known unto all men. That's a King James translation. King James was translated in 1611. Anybody remember that year? That's a good year, huh? Uh, 16, how many know sometimes when, it's, when a, uh, even English words, they kind of change over time. And when they say, let your moderation be known, that doesn't mean the same thing then that it, that it means today. In fact, if you look that word up, the Greek word that it was translated from, it, it, means, um, it means gentleness. It, 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 it means um, mild. Like I think of that mild-mannered reporter. Remember who he was? Yeah. Mild. Let your gentleness, your mildness be known unto all men. This is not the Lord telling us to think small. This is not telling us, uh, don't go, don't take the love of God, the power of God, the Word of God, uh, all the, don't take that too far. No, moderate, just kind of, just, just kind of step back a little bit. And uh, no, I think um, whenever you use the word God, you can't really use the word moderate. Not as we think of that word. Not as we use that word today, but we need to begin to desire and embrace a mindset of more than enough. How many know good enough or just enough is not enough? Yeah, I don't want that to be the slogan of our church. Life Church, it's good enough. <laughs> you know, it's a mentality of, of mediocrity, a mentality of, of just getting by. I would, rather, I would rather it be more reflective of, who, of the God that we serve, the Father who, who loves us, and this is a God who is a, a more than enough kind of God. Amen? He goes over the top, not just barely, not just middle of the road. Uh, but sometimes, you know, whenever you talk about a lot, abundance, ample supply, uh, some people don't like it. 
Some people get irritated when, when someone else has more than enough, right? If you have an extra house, some people don't like that. If you have extra clothes, extra car, extra money in your pocket or whatever, some people don't like that and they think you're doing something wrong or you're a crook for some reason. Um, <laughs> so be ready for it. But I think we should be annoyed. We should get annoyed when we, when we are living on just enough. If that's the picture of our, li- of our lives, just enough. Enough to get by. Barely going to make it. We should be annoyed with that because that is not reflective of the greatness of our God. Yeah. You remember uh, in the Old Testament, uh, Israel, the nation of Israel, were captives in Egypt and they were slaves in Egypt and God brought them, out, brought them out with a mighty hand and Moses led them from Egypt to Canaan's land, the promised land, which is the land flowing with milk and honey. And, uh, and, but in, in between Egypt and Canaan was a, a land referred to as the wilderness. They spent their days, they spent their time in the wilderness. Now, now the wilderness is a time of, and it was a picture of day-to-day living. It's just enough. Uh, they didn't have an abundance. They didn't have enough for tomorrow. They only had enough for today. In fact, their food came as manna coming out of the sky from God. He fed them every day. But how many know they couldn't, they couldn't uh, load up? <laughs> they couldn't fill their refrigerator. So they had, no, they had to have just enough. Just enough for today. If you take anything else, it rots. Uh, they, each day was enough for that day and nothing more than that. Okay? Was that God's plan for them to for them to live in the wilderness? No, it was not. The wilderness, if you look at uh, listen to most Bible scholars, they'll they'll tell you it should have taken 2 weeks to get from Egypt to Canaan. 2 weeks, not 40 years. And they camped out and lived in this land of just enough, barely get by, struggling to make it, but just enough to make They lived there for 40 years. Do you know why they did? Because they were rebellious and they complained and they were full of unbelief. And so they had to camp out in the land of just enough. I've heard people tell me, well, I'm just living, I'm just uh, in that, I'm just in a, going through a wilderness experience. In my life, God has me going through the wilderness right now. Well, well, I'm not know about that, but if He does, good news, it's only a two week journey. Huh? And if you've been there for six years, there's a problem. And stop putting that on Him. Stop, stop believing in your heart that God has, has given you this lot in life where you are just going to barely make it. Where you're going to struggle. You just have enough for today and no, never live in abundance and never have more than enough. Stop believing that. Amen. Because I tell you, any trip, any period like that is designed to be very, very brief. We're just passing through and on our way back into the promises of God. Hallelujah. Because really, you know, uh, the wilderness was designed to kill off the rebellious people. Right? Because they were that that unbelieving generation. That's why they had to stay there for 40 years. Because all those who refused to trust God, who refused to believe in Him and what they could do, all they could talk about are are giants and all this kind of stuff. And the Lord had to say, well, we're just going to stay here until all you guys are gone. 
So a new generation can say, hey, it doesn't matter what stands in the way. We have a word from God. He said, this is my plan. This is my purpose. I want you to go in and conquer and possess and take hold of. And they said, yes, we are well able to do it. Let's go get it. Amen. And this is the attitude, the mindset that we, what we should have today as believers, that if God promised it, He gave it to us, then bless God, nothing from the outside is going to restrict or contain or hold back. He is the God who is more than enough, and He's in me. And we are going to go forward in might and power and take the land. Hallelujah. Everybody okay today? Say it out loud. Say paycheck to paycheck. It's not God's will for my life. Now, if you're there, don't be condemned, but let's stir up something, a picture of something better. I'm telling you, God absolutely 100% has something better for you than just making it. That's why we are growing inwardly so that this can manifest in the outside of our lives. Let's not be satisfied with a barely making it life. Yeah, don't, don't get too comfortable. Someone tells you, well, it's always been that way in our family. It's just going to be that way. And there's no way out for you because you don't have this and you don't have this history. You don't have this education. You don't have this skill set. You don't have this. So just learn to live with this. Ah! That's a small thinking mentality that's trying to get in your life. Resist it and say no. You may not know how. You may not know when. You may not know how it's going to transpire. But bless God, we are coming up and we are going out. Amen. We're going through and experience God's fullness. Look over with me at Proverbs chapter 4. For some, this is a new way of thinking. (laughs) Almost like I can hear some thoughts. So I've never heard something like that before. This is a new way of thinking. Don't throw it out yet. Well, hopefully not ever. But if you would, grant me this. Chew on this for at least the next, uh, the rest of the service. If you're, if you're struggling with this mentality, if you're struggling with this thought process, maybe you've been in church and they've taught you, they've taught you a small mentality your whole life. And I understand it's hard to break out of that, but chew on it. Meditate on these things. Give yourself and wholly and entirely to them and your progress will be evident before all, but don't throw it out. Amen. The pathway that you used to walk, we need to let it grow over. Because there's a new path for your life. There's a new course. It's a better path. It leads to better things. In Proverbs chapter, 20, uh, chapter 4, excuse me, verse 23, notice this verse. It reads, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Now, this is just basic wisdom in, and the Lord telling us how things work. And he says, guard your, your heart. Not talking about your physical heart. Not talking about your body. Talking about the spirit and the soul, the inward part of you. Guard that. All right? Or as it says, keep your heart. The word keep means to guard. Guard that. We understand about guarding natural things. We give attention to, you know, security systems and people carry firearms in case, the, you know, someone bad comes to rob their house or something like that. Uh, 
But, but listen, we are to guard the inside of us. That's more important than guarding external things. Really is. Yeah, so if you could imagine this, if you could put a guard at your heart. And I, you know, picture those guys at the Buckingham Palace. You know, they, they stand there and they won't move. But they are there standing at their, their post and they are not going to let anything bad happen in that place. We must do that with our inward selves. Why? Because everything else comes out of that. And if that is not protected, if that is not guarded, if I just swallow anything, any thought, any idea, any concept, if I let myself watch anything and everything that's out in this world, I am not guarding my heart. I am, uh, it's, my gate is wide open for the enemy to trample in my life. Huh? And if, I all, if every time I have an issue, I want prayer from the outside, fix this on me, take this away from me, do this to me, but I don't guard the inside, I, I, I'm lacking wisdom. Because that's how it works. If I am protected inwardly, things on the outside can't get to me. Okay. Now, this word has always jumped out at me in this verse, this word issues. Issues. He said, keep your heart, guard your heart, for out of it, your heart, proceed or come the issues of life. What are these issues? This word actually, if you look it up, means boundaries. Boundaries. Out of your heart come the boundaries that surround your life. How far can you go? Depends how far your heart will let you go. What can you do? It depends what's in your heart. Because if you have a small, restrictive, fenced-in heart, you can't do much. But th that's why we give it so much attention and why we guard it. Because it is the boundaries that we live in. If I don't like the way my life is or how small it is, I need to push out the boundaries. And this is a heart issue. You will not go any further than your faith. Your beliefs will determine your life's realities. As Proverbs 23 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As, as he, the existence, my existence is directly tied and connected to what's inside. All right. Everybody okay? See, this is why we want to enlarge. This is why we want to enter into this wide open spacious life. We want to remove the bar barriers, the boundaries, and the restrictions. Now... One of the things that governs us in life, again, again, this is wisdom, this is, uh, well, this, these are spiritual answers to many of life's problems. Uh, one of the things that governs us is our sight, okay? Our sight. What we look at creates and has the ability to create an image inwardly, all right? I'm not talking here about we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm talking in a positive or a negative way. What we look at paints a picture of something if we look long enough, we ultimately become. Look over with me at the book of Genesis chapter 15. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. If you're not familiar, that's where it is. Uh, Genesis chapter 15. You see... Uh, God in His mercy has often helped us to understand and to walk out and live in His plan by giving us something visually 
that helps us to relate to a spiritual truth. You might notice that Jesus often taught using parables, right? Uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Parables, yeah. Uh, one reason he did that is to keep people from knowing what he was talking about because they were on the outside and they didn't have the password, right? Without going into that teaching. But another reason, how many know when you take a truth and you lay it alongside of a story, an example, uh, then that truth becomes more understood. It, it, it becomes more powerful. I, I've been, at times I've looked back at some of the things that I've taught and I come up with some outstanding top-notch, top-shelf statements, loaded, packed with revelation and truth, and I deliver them, and, and people go, oh. And I'm fired up, bam! And then, and then if I have a, if the Lord helps me, and He does, but to give a story or an illustration or something to lay aside that, then all of a sudden, you know, I said five outstanding things that are never remembered, grr. And I tell one story, and people say, oh, that story changed my life. (laughs) Well... That's kind of how we work, isn't it? I, I know. Well, recently, I mean, I get these not as much on Sunday as far as physical demonstrations, but on Wednesday nights, I actually, uh, sometimes I'll just, we'll just be worshiping God and I'll get a, an example and it's physically demonstrated. I'll pull people out of the uh, crowd and say, hey, come up here. You stand here. You do this and you're God and you're Jesus. And, and, uh, and, and we act out some things. Uh, and I'm not smart enough to even do that, but uh, when he shows it to me and I do that, it's amazing how it impacts, the, impacts people. All of a sudden, 10 people are giving their life to the Lord, you know, getting right with God because they saw, you know, it acted out and demonstrated in, in, in that way. Well, knowing that, and that's true, v- visual things are very important. What we look at ultimately um, becomes our vision inside. God did that with people. He did that with Abraham. And I want to show you this. Genesis 15, verse 1. Genesis 15, 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying. See, in a what? In a vision. So the Lord's getting visual again with him. In a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your exceeding, exceedingly great reward. Remember, that's I'm your abundant compensation. Verse 2. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So God had given him all this stuff. He had made him rich, very rich, in silver and gold and cattle and all this kind of stuff. But he's like... But seriously, I don't have anyone to give this to. I'm going to have to give this to Eleazar, and he just works for me. He was born here. I like him, but I don't want him to be my heir. He he said, I don't have any kids. What am I going to do? Verse 4, the word, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall 
your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. I want you to see how this conversation went. Okay? Abraham basically is saying to the Lord, look, no kids. Look, no offspring. You're going to do all this for me, but I don't have any kids. And you, know how, you see how the Lord responded to him? He said, Abram, look up and see the stars of the sky. He gave him a word, said, no, it's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen this way. Now come outside and look at the stars. Wait, wait, what does that have to do with anything? What does the Lord, why does he bother getting Abraham to look at stars and see if he can count them? What does that have to do with him having a child in his old age and becoming the father of many nations? Because God's word coming to pass in his life and in our life is directly connected to what we can see in here. And sometimes we are not seeing it in here until we open up our physical eyes and see something out here. All Abraham saw was no kids. And the Lord said, you are looking in the wrong place. I want you to come up and start counting stars. Begin to look. And what happened is, and this is what it says. What happened when Abraham did that? Then he believed. And it what? It was accounted to him for righteousness. He is the example. You read about this in the New Testament. This is how salvation is explained to us. How Abraham was not saved or justified by what he did. By his works. But because of only believing. You've ever heard that before? How we come to Christ. How we come to salvation. Not based on works. Which is by the way what every religion around the planet teaches. Even religions around in our area, you've got to do something to be saved, which is totally opposite of the Bible. And this is the example. Abraham didn't do anything. He believed and God said, bam, righteous. And we're told in the New Testament, what do we do? Believe and bam, we're righteous. And that story contains God giving Abraham a visual example, a visual illustration that resulted in him believing. What we look at determines what we're, what we're going to believe. If we don't have the proper vision, we go nowhere and achieve nothing. It, almost like a, like a builder. How many understand a builder has to have some, some plans, some blueprints? And if the builder will have that, then it has somewhere to start. Otherwise, nothing's ever going to be uh, uh, observed. Nothing's ever going to be experienced. You start with the plan. You've got to see something. And when you see what can be begins to become a reality. Yeah. In our lives. I would, I would ask, I would wonder, what do you see? What do you see inside? How do you see yourself? What's your vision of your future? And too many times, um, it's not a matter of that we don't have one or we don't see anything. It's that we see the wrong thing. And maybe something has always been a certain way. 
And so we think it's always, that's the picture we see of our future. Maybe it's, it's, it's one of where harm has been done or abuse has, has taken place. And so we play that over and over again and we see that in our lives. We see ourselves according to that event, to that happening. Huh? Instead of letting the Lord paint a picture of something inside of us as far as what He wants us to have. There was a group of people and they saw the giants. And they saw themselves as small, as insignificant. They saw themselves, this is Numbers 13 over there. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. And so what, what did they do? Well, where are grasshoppers? They stay in the wilderness. They stay small. They stay defeated because they saw they're big, we're small. What about if a person sees themselves, they got some kind of physical uh, limitation. And they can't ever see themselves riding that bike again. They can't ever see themselves running again. They can't ever see themselves uh, enjoying something that they used to enjoy. Because I've been told I am this way, I'll always be this way, it'll forever. Be, be. And so their picture inwardly is one of restriction. I can't do it. What do they need to see? They need to see themselves being, doing, becoming successful in what they desire. And if you can find something, even if it's physical like the stars in the sky, if you can find something to look at, instead of looking at that, that thing inside that says you can't, you're not able, you won't be able to do this, then your vision will start to change and your believing will, will knock open the doors. See, we all have an imagination. Our imagination can be used for, for our benefit or to our detriment. If you and I allow our imagination to just run wild and imagine bad things happening, fear will inspire that. People are afraid of car accidents. They see themselves getting in a wreck. People are afraid of getting cancer. They see themselves getting cancer. Because they have some, they knew someone else who did. And they start to get a vision of these kind of things. That is setting you up for that reality. But I'm telling you, even no matter what has happened, no matter what the report or what currently is, a person can change their future by changing what's right in, inside of them in here. Abraham went from one to the other. I don't, I don't know exactly how long Abraham did that. Many times in Scripture, we, we see... That verse 1 and verse 2 are 100 years apart. Especially you read that in Genesis when all of a sudden, you know, Adam and Eve's kids are, are mar getting married and all this kind of stuff. And you ring, where did they get their wife? <laughs> because that was hundreds of years, <laughs> you know. And so sometimes you have to be mindful of that when you're reading Scripture. It's giving you the, the abridged version of, of life. Otherwise, the Bible, you know, be pretty thick. Uh, but I read this, and honestly, I don't know if when the Lord told Abraham to go out and, and look at the stars and see if you can count them, because those are your kids, man. I don't know if he did that once. I don't know if that was a 30-second a gander. I believe. Or, I don't know, maybe if he did that for days. He lived out there, had the tent, and every night... He went out there again. Maybe this was one night. I don't, maybe this is two weeks. He went out there and said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm going to be the father of many nations. Glory to God. And he went back to his life and 
There weren't any kids yet, so he went out and looked at the stars again. And he had a, he had a sunroof put into his tent. <laughs> Sarah! <laughs> Ready to have some kids? <laughs> but the, this, listen, this is the Lord's doing. It was the Lord's doing to give him this help, something to look at, to get him into faith. And I say, we can use our own makeup. Our imagination came from God. What are you using it for? What do you imagine yourself becoming? I'm not talking about just randomly grabbing something out of the air. I am talking about the Word of God, the promises of God, or something He's spoken to you. Someone said, I could never see myself, you know, uh, not being alone. I'm single, I'm alone, and I can't ever see myself ever getting married, and you want to be. I'm talking if you want to be, if you don't, fine. You want to be. Well, you need a new picture. Right. I can't ever see myself having a nice house or owning my own home. You need to start. Right. And I'm not talking about just being, uh, you know, coveting someone else's things. We don't do that. But can you see you having it? Can you see you yourself driving it? Wearing it? Doing it? I could never see myself in any kind of position of importance in this company. I'm just on a low rank and I can't see ever see. Well, you need to start seeing. If that's what you want, if that's, if that's where the Lord's leading, you need to start seeing yourself in that. Well, I've made someone said I own a company and, you know, we bring in X number of uh, revenue each year and I can't really ever see it getting much bigger than that. Well, do you want it to? Have you prayed? Do you want it to? Because if so, if you're fine with it where it is, fine. But if you want it to, you need to see it. You got to start to see it inside. Maybe you need to do some stargazing. I don't know. Maybe there's something else you can look at and say, Lord, I believe you. Because when you believe him, he counts it as righteous. In other words, it's right. Your right to believe what he can do in and through your life. So, so I've got, uh, I just can't ever, you know, have, have this, this hand and, you know, I, I don't have full functionality and full usage of it. I can't ever see myself playing tennis again. You need to start. If you want to, start seeing yourself playing tennis again. Getting full functionality out of that hand. Full usage out of it. Amen. This is the way God created us to work. And when we can see it inside, then it becomes our future. But as long as we see the opposite, as long as we see that it's something small or limited or I can't or I can't afford it or I'm not, all that, all that stuff, then it, it can't be a reality in our lives. We cannot sustain anything that comes to us in a positive way. It will revert back to the way that we think. If my vision is small and someone hands me something that's way bigger than my vision, I'll lose it. Guaranteed. But if I can ask the Lord, what can I look at? What can you give me? Or if I can find something that is inconsistent with His Word or His promise to me by His Spirit, consistent with that, then what I look at helps me to go there. Helps me to arrive in that destination. Helps me to become what He has called me to be. Hallelujah. I tell you, the devil will paint a picture of failure. 
trying to get you, see your, you to see yourself alone and sick and broke and small and can't do anything. But we resist that. We resist that. Why? <laughs> Lest we stay uh, longer than our, our rental period of two weeks in the wilderness. Lest we stay in a place of, of barely making it for very long. We must resist those thoughts. Well, you're just a wilderness kind of person. You just, you just look really nice here in the wilderness. <laughs> resist that. Say, no, I was not meant for this. This is not my destination. This is a brief period and I'm not camping out. I'm not setting up shop. I'm not going to live here. I am cruising through because I see myself with big grapes. I see myself with milk and honey. Honey. I see myself living in God's best for my life all my days. See yourself succeeding. Amen. Amen. I know some of this borders on, and you, you might, you know, go to a little bit where it's just, you think, well, that's just, uh, you know, positive thinking, and I'm not, I'm not talking about anything ex, uh, excluding the promises and the direction of His Spirit, but at, at the same time, people want to poo-poo some of that, that language because, oh, that's positive thinking. What kind of thinking do you want? I'm telling you, when I read God's promises for me, it makes me more positive. It does. So don't just throw it all out. You know, when you hear about, uh, I remember reading about uh, some basketball coaches and, and, and helping people to, to make shots and make free throws, to envision certain things at the rim and certain things sitting on the rim that you're knocking off and the ball going. Uh, is there anything wrong with that? To, vis to envision or see yourself succeeding at what you're trying to accomplish. It's the way God created us. See yourself succeeding. Amen. And take God's promises. Take His Word. What do you want to accomplish? I know this. He wants all of us to succeed in life. Amen. But this is how an enlarged, expanded, wide open heart begins. Is I get a vision of it for my own life. And I see myself doing what maybe today I can't do. But I let that, that, that movie play over and over in my life. Did you see that movie yet? It's you. There you are. Succeeding. There you are. Healed. There you are. Successful. There you are. Married and happy. There you are. Whatever it is. It's in that movie. Play that one. As you're shuffling through your, your, your data banks of all the things that have happened to you and all the people who told you you never could, go to this movie. So I've never seen that one before. It's new. God made it for you. And He'll help you to see it. Play it again and again and again in your life. Amen.